And we welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Sharpdoll, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me as always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Uh, the Cardinals are 10 days, roughly, from opening day, which is kind of hard to believe. But also, Tara, the spring schedule meant that there was not a game on Sunday afternoon. And that's... That feels just wrong, doesn't it? I mean, especially in the spring. I mean, really all throughout the season. But if you don't have a game on Sunday afternoon, yeah, sure, there's that basketball thing going on. But it, there's no spring training game, and that's just that's just wrong. I know. The whole spring training schedule this year has seemed a little odd. And I think in large part it's because not as many games are on TV as there mm-hmm. have been the last few years. So it feels like keeping up with what's going on is a little bit more not necessarily difficult, but it it takes a little more effort to make sure that you're in the right place at the right time to actually see the Cardinals playing baseball this spring. But of course that doesn't stop us from looking up the information we've missed or listening to one of many, many podcasts where we can get that information and fill in the blanks. So yeah, it's a little odd this year for me, not having seen as much spring training baseball as I have in years past. Um, but it also just kind of at this point has me ready for games that matter <laughs> and games that are both on TV and at normal times. Yeah, that's helpful. I know it was, uh, it may have been Friday night. I sat down to watch the game through MLB's app and all it was, was the audio. And I'm like, well, that doesn't <laughs> do me much good. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, the radio is fine, but sitting in front of your TV, listening to the radio, just, kind of messes with my head i think (laughs) so anyway the cardinals did play some more games this week they won some they lost some they tied some because that's what they do this spring what four ties uh Mm -hmm. i know we've talked about that some um let's just kind of randomly pick pieces i know carlos martinez we had another in issue with i guess with carlos i guess not getting out of the first inning they had to do that little rollover inning type of thing no they pulled him out brought in somebody brought him back for the second inning um how concerned i mean he kind of settled in a little bit the the rest of the way before leaving some runners on for tommy parsons who then gave up a grand slam um but is this i mean carlos has to be carlos because i mean like the carlos we have in our minds because he's now instead of battling for the fifth part he's solidly the third starter right now um no matter what else happens yeah what's funny is that in my mind, in a twisted sort of way, this is almost a good sign <laughs> because <laughs> Carlos Martinez at his best still often had trouble with the first inning and then would settle down and be one of the best in the league. Now, you can't be one of the best in the league overall if you always struggle to get out of the first inning. So that continues to be an issue. However, uh struggling in the first inning and then settling down is not what we had seen from Carlos when he had been in the rotation here and there since coming back from the injury as well. So in a twisted sense, in my mind, I'm almost like, Oh wow, this is, this is almost back to normal. (laughs) And that's not really where you want him to end up obviously, but there is something to him being able to settle down and get some outs. That is an encouraging sign. It's just a matter of figuring out what it is in that first inning. And, you know, we talked about this when the Cardinals were hesitant to move him back into the rotation because of the preparation aspect of his job in the bullpen, right? It wasn't necessarily that they felt like the best use of his stuff was as a bullpen arm. It was, there's something about the way that he prepares 
as a reliever that seemed to give him more success initially in an appearance than the way that he was preparing sort of routinely as a starter. Now, whether that's a, a mental preparation of, you know, being ready to go the minute the ball is handed to you, or if it's physically, he needs that more specific and maybe quick warm up that he gets in the bullpen than just as a starter warming up sort of methodically and slowly and, and again, routinely. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And of course there's no way for me to, to make that assumption from the distance that we're talking about it from, <laughs> but it is interesting to see that as he's closer and closer to returning to form, that first inning is still an issue. And it doesn't seem to be an issue that he's been able to resolve, but it's also not an issue that any of the many experts, any of the the many uh, successful pitchers around him or the brilliant minds in the organization have been able to pinpoint in a way that is that can create an effective solution. So that's the part that is obviously still concerning because you never want to dig yourself a hole like that in the first inning. And obviously in real games, you don't get to leave and come back. Right. <laughs> that's not a thing that you can do in, uh, in Major League Baseball. You've run right. in for a little time. Right. He might find it quite entertaining uh, this spring. Mm-hmm. So we'll see it in a couple of years. Who knows? But that's not a thing that's going to happen once the regular season starts. So it can't be a thing that the Cardinals sort of, I don't want to say depend on, because obviously they're not, they know that that's not a a real thing, but it's an easy out at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you don't want to put any unnecessary or additional stress on a guy's arm in spring training. I get that. But at some point, if Carlos is going to be in the rotation and I mean, there's no reason for him not to be at this point, it's kind of necessary. He's going to have to get, get out of that inning. He's going to have to figure out how to get out of that inning. So I don't know. I don't know what the solution is there. It's something that we've seen so often from him that, like I said, there's a weird sense of comfort (laughs) of the normalcy of that, but also, you know, that lingering concern of, okay, if he's going to be as good as advertised, that can't continue to be a problem. Yeah. I mean, I remember those discussions we had, the idea that he needed to not know when he was coming in to a game to be focused and ready all the time versus that, okay, I'm going to pitch today. And it wasn't quite the same kind of preparation or intensity or whatever the case may be. And that's a lot of armchair quarterbacking, if you yeah. will, to, to mix a metaphor. It's all, it's very easy for us sitting here to say, well, that's what's wrong with Carlos, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're right. If we could figure it out, if, if that was actually true, they could probably figure out a way to, to counteract it. Um, but yeah, it is a little bit concerning. I, you know, I, Got to think that this next time through the, the rotation, I, I don't know if they've said they're not going to have those rules for a certain point in time or they're going to be able to do it all spring. But, you know, next time out, I think no matter what he does, if he struggles, I mean, you just got to let him get work it through it. You know, if he has to throw 40 pitches in an inning, you may just have to do it just to see if he can get out of it or, you know, what that case is. You're right. If it's, it's the stress of the arm and stuff like that, but, you know, I mean, they let Jordan Hicks through twenty throw twenty two pitches to one batter, so certainly yeah. Carlos fair, can yeah. stretch it a little bit. Yeah, I would think so. To be fair, they probably planned about that many pitches, and well, he did yeah. go out yeah. right after that guy. So you know, it's like, nope, you're done. Um, speaking of, I guess we can talk about Jordan Hicks. So far, I mean, the twenty two uh, pitch at bat, notwithstanding, um, has seemed to be 
Jordan Hicks, right? He's hitting 100 miles an hour. He hasn't really seemed to have any glitches that I can think of, at least. Um, he seems ready to just settle back into the back end of that um, bullpen and be that eighth or ninth inning guy, depending on, on matchups or whatever. Um, is this a situation, do you think, this year that we will see Jordan Hicks in different situations besides the ninth? Yeah, it's interesting. First of all, I think that the extra time off by not by opting not to play last year mm-hmm. ended up actually probably being good for Jordan Hicks. Not in the sense that he couldn't have been ready to play at some point last year, but just with the idea in mind that not only is he so recovered from the surgery and from the injury, but also he seems to be in phenomenal shape. <laughs> and, you know, everybody says that when they come into spring training, but right. the little bit of extra strength, a little bit of extra stability has, you know, quite frankly, had he come back last season when things got underway, I don't know if he would have been throwing 102. Because there was still some, in my mind, the, the there wasn't enough distance from, like I said, the injury and the surgery and the recovery to have full confidence right away to go mm-hmm. out and just go right back to normal. So the added time has given him ample opportunity to really slow that build up and make sure that there is strength and stability in all the places that are necessary to not only give him 102 back, but to hopefully give him the endurance and the, uh, the, the ability to maintain that and control it in a way that he hasn't before. So that said, I think the idea of course is Jordan Hicks is the, the closer ish, <laughs> but this is a bullpen that has a lot of back end options, right? With Giovanni Gallegos there and with Alex Reyes there and whoever else ends up in that mix, Ryan Helsey, of course, has to be part of the, con- the conversation for all of these things. The, the last four or five guys that can pitch out of the bullpen all have some closing experience <laughs> in even just very limited uh, appearances last year with as weird as that was, but there's a lot of firepower in the back end of, of that bullpen. So, yes, I think that Mike Schilt is likely traditional enough. Mike Maddox is likely traditional enough to predominantly use Jordan Hicks in closer situations. However, Mike Maddox, we talked about this last week, used the word adaptable to describe the pitching staff. And I think we'll see how adaptable they are, whether it's matchups or whether it's just, you know, how many times a guy is pitched that week or if they're able to better um, keep those guys at the back end of the bullpen from burning out like we saw at times in years past when they only had one guy that could get out to the end of games. So Jordan Hicks, as is, is certainly going to see the ninth inning a lot. And I think that's a a great sign for this team because you can mix and match with all those other guys as is necessary, but he's not alone back there. And I think that's just as important for the durability of this bullpen. And that's not always something we've been able to say either. Yeah. Well, say looking at his line, the only really thing that stands out, he has to give it up no hits so far, but he does have three walks. I don't know if the 22 point played appearance counted as more than one. I I, I don't (laughs) know, but um. So, yeah, and I'm sure there's still a little bit of that, you know, that's, you know, not pitching for, you know, a year and a half. It's going to have a little bit of rust. And that may be the only thing that keeps him from being, you know, the automatic ninth inning option, especially early on as he still tries to find that feel. But 
Well, we also know those walks happened before. Right. Uh, his right. his control was the issue from the beginning. His advantage was a hundred and four. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a there's certainly he's still so young in his career. There's a lot for him to continue to develop and continue to work on. And I think we'll see that now that you know he has the the freedom you know, physically to go out and throw what he needs to throw. It'll be interesting to see how Yadier Molina kind of works him through some of those at-bats, perhaps differently in the regular season when they're not working on some particular target or working mm. on some particular pitch. Um, because we know that Jordan Hicks has more than a 104-mile-an-hour fastball. He just doesn't show it all that often. So I'll be curious to see the evolution of Jordan Hicks now that he's healthy and, and physically ready to go. And, and let's be fair. If you're going to be a Cardinal closer, you've got to be able to walk a couple guys at inning <laughs> right, right. and just to keep that, you know, fear factor going. Keep I the just, heart rate up. Yeah. That's yeah, just the way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you talked about with Jordan Hicks and having that year off seemed to make him look better. I was listening to you and Alex, I think on the, the hundredth episode of Chirps talking about how Yadier Molina is moving better and yeah. moving more spry. That's got to be the same thing, right? I mean, the fact that he didn't play 185 games last year, um, it, as much as Yachty would deny that probably and say he's better when he plays more, um, that extra rest has to help, help. And now that they've you know basically officially named Andrew Kisner as the backup, doesn't that... Does that come into play? Should it? I mean, it should, but does it come into play? Yeah. Yeah. Some would say it's the perfect case study mm-hmm. for why Yadier Molina should not play quite as much as he has in the past. I wouldn't dare because <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to be responsible for the angst on Instagram. Um, but no, I do think that it makes sense. And I think we've talked about it a little bit in terms of Adam Wainwright and the fact that the shortened season probably helped him last year to look as good as he did. Now, again, I will not take away anything from what Adam Wainwright did last year by saying it only happened because of the shortened season. No, 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 no. no. Let me be clear. Adam Wainwright was brilliant. And what we've seen this spring has confirmed that it wasn't just a fluky thing. It was Adam Wainwright figuring out how to be successful late in his career. But I don't think even Adam Wainwright would argue the fact that the shortened season allowed him to maybe go all out more often than he would over a 162-game season. So we'll see how that plays out for him. But I do think as far as Molina is concerned, look, there's a reason so many people for so many years have tried to say, Yachty's probably better for this team if he does take days off now and then, not only when he's injured and, and physically cannot play. The Gizner thing is is going to be interesting because if he's going to be there, he needs to play. But we've said that before. We've said that about other guys. And uh, now one of them's in Arizona. <laughs> so I don't know that that really is true in terms of the Cardinals organization with Yadier Molina in it. However, I think that... I don't know, a couple of things, just sort of theorizing about the fact that there weren't 25 other teams that rushed to sign Yadier Molina this mm. this uh, this winter. Maybe it was an, a note to him, not in terms of, oh, maybe I'm done, I should just hang it up. But he did eventually come to the idea that, well, if no one signs me, I might just retire. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe there was a, a moment of realization that, okay, he doesn't, 
he doesn't have to be the guy that he's always been because he's not necessarily the guy that he's always been. But then of course he comes into spring and looks better than ever. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you do with the enigma that is Yadier Molina and what that means for someone like Kisner, who has done everything they've asked of him this spring as well. It, it would seem. And I mean, it's also fair to say there's not really another option that is particularly impressive. So the spot is his, but the playing time is obviously to be determined. I do think, though, to your initial point, arrested Molina is better and more effective and a more valuable piece to this team than an obstinate Molina who simply refuses to be taken out of the lineup. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I just hope I, it feels like the Cardinals are working on a plan with Kisner to keep him somewhat sharp um, in this role that, you know, we've gone to blogger days early in the year and, you know, Tony Cruz had like two at bats at that time. You know, uh, there were saying there were times where we said we could do that job because it was sitting on the bench <laughs> spitting sunflower seeds for the most part. Um, so hopefully we're going to see him more than that. And, I, you know, I feel like the club wants to see Kisner more. It's just, you know, that, that battle with the with the Audi is always going to be kind of interesting to watch um, and see how much sway he has still, um, and, and whether he can still be the you know de facto manager or you know at least in in, in regards to his playing time, if, if nothing else. Um, starting to see a little bit of, of offense here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan Carlson hit a home run this week. Um, you know we're, we're getting a little bit of that. It's still so hard to tell. I know I was watching the game. I don't remember. I guess it was Saturday. And uh, Arenado had one that looked like it was going to go three miles out of the stadium, <laughs> and it died on the warning track. So, um, you know, the fact that he has no home runs this spring uh, shouldn't necessarily worry anybody. But, you know, again, we're getting to that point now where I think we have to start taking these results a little bit seriously, right? I mean, 10 days out, maybe you don't look at – oh, so-and-so has a 200 batting average for the spring, but maybe you look and say over the last, you know, from here on what they're doing, because it's, you know, if a pitcher stumbles or if a batter goes over 20, um, Matt Carpenter, um, <laughs> then it's, uh, it's a bit more concerning than it would be, you know, two weeks ago. Yeah, I do think it's also fair in light of the fact that Bush is not exactly a hitters-friendly park. So... Yeah to go from a place where it's very hitter friendly to a place where it's not and to see some of that in the spring. I don't think it's fair to say anyone is concerned, but I do think it's an interesting note that, you know, Arnado didn't just show up and start hitting bombs over the fence every pitcher he faces. I don't know that that was, would have been a fair expectation. I mean, it took Paul Goldschmidt a little while to get going this spring as well. And, and getting going might be a bit <laughs> generous at this point, but he did have a, a, a big monster home run this week as well. So I think I, I, I wouldn't be able to say that I'm worried about either of those two players because of the track record that they have. I do think that it's fair to give Arenado some sort of adjustment period to all of the new, right? New team, new facility, new spring training situation, apparently new methodology of everything that happens at spring training, as well as adjusting to the Jeff Albert hitting system, which as we've seen, 
has a bit of a learning curve. So hopefully that doesn't show up in terms of uh, just a, a dreadful season for Arenado trying to adjust. I wouldn't imagine even Jeff Albert would expect Arenado to come in as one of the best in the game and for him to start changing stuff. I would hope too not. much. I would hope you just sort of leave well enough alone. But it is, you know, you want to see him put on a show, right? That's that's what we all want, and that hasn't happened yet. So I think it's fair to acknowledge that, though I would be hesitant to say that at this point I'm, I'm worried or upset by what we've seen from Arnado thus far. You know, I, you're talking about the walls at Bush. If, if Arnado struggles a little bit this year, more because of the, the dimensions, do you think with him and Goldschmidt – that they might actually consider changing the dimensions a little bit. I know it's not all that. I think some of it's the the airflow from, yeah. especially with Ballpark Village going up. But even bringing, you know, or are they more concerned with, hey, we'd rather have a good pitching staff, and you know, if the offense is hurts at home, then so be it. Yeah, I think the pitching is going to remain the sort of prized possession mm-hmm. for the Cardinals. But keep in mind, and and this is what I've had to remind myself as well, even the visiting hitters still have to hit in the same ballpark, right, the same right. conditions. That doesn't seem to stop visiting hitters <laughs> as much as it does the guys who play there every day, but those numbers are obviously likely skewed um, because of the, the small sample size as well. So I don't imagine that they would, but it is something that's I think being talked about more and more in terms of the St. Louis Cardinals. And once you get past Goldschmidt and Arnato, of course, hopefully Dylan Carlson becomes the guy who hits bombs like we saw from him this week as well. But, you know, you're not going to want a ballpark. Look, (laughs) pitchers don't like going to Colorado because they don't like pitching in Colorado. Well, you don't want to become a place where hitters don't want to go because they don't (laughs) want to have to hit in St. Louis either. So I don't know that there's a a solution to that um, as simple as changing the dimensions or if it's just sort of the way that the, the ballpark plays there. But I don't think, I don't expect that it falls in line with the character of this organization to prioritize offense over pitching and defense. Cause it's just not who they are. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it would be interesting to see if they could find some sort of, you know, some sort of balance if that could be the case. I mean, it, you know what, the stadium will be, you know, it's 15 years old now. Um, and for it not to have been changed and, and everything has changed around the stadium in those 15 years, but not necessarily inside. So yeah, I don't expect that that's, you know, something that's going to happen for 2022. If But, you know, if Nolan Arenado hits two home runs this year, all things are on the table, I think. <laughs> that's true. That's um, true. Because it's possible that they'll have to rebuild the stadium after the fans have taken <laughs> torches. Especially if there's such a dichotomy between his mm-hmm. home and road splits, but the opposite way <laughs> from right. when he played, of course. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's like his career is going to be a perfectly even, it's going to be the fan usual, you know, yeah. perfectly yeah. even uh, when he gets all said and done but uh you know it's gonna be really weird getting there yeah um i you know it feels like we're talking we're starting to get to that point the cardinals made some cuts we're starting to get to that point where the roster takes shape and there's not a whole lot of things that could happen on this team that we don't know about i mean but there's still a couple of spots that maybe are a battle um and john nagowski has been really strong this spring 
does there a way for him to push his way into that 26 man? I mean, he'd be hitting behind. I mean, he's plays first base. So obviously there's a guy there that, that plays pretty often. Um, but you know, all he does is kind of show up and hit and having a guy that can, you know, get a single or a double in a pinch hit situation would be kind of valuable to the state. I don't know. Can he hit home runs at Bush? Because <laughs> if the other two can't, maybe <laughs> maybe Paul Goldschmidt sits uh, sits on the bench a little more. Up. No, I'm kidding. Um, Nagassi is one of my favorite stories of the spring thus far. He's been a name that's come up at times in springs in the recent past, but the way that he's sort of taken the imagination of Cardinals fans and just run with it by what he's done on the field. It's hard to imagine a way that I guess it's hard to imagine a conversation about this roster that doesn't at least include a serious conversation of how do we get John Nagowski to St. Louis because of the way that he's hitting and the fact that this is a team that has been sorely lacking in offense in the last few years, particularly when you look at the uh, strength or lack thereof of the bench sans Brad Miller last year. That was mm. the anomaly I would think in, in terms of that, but to have someone like Nagowski and I think there is some, I actually was listening uh, to Ben Surudi on, on his podcast this week and, and they were talking about Nagowski and the fact that he seems more like the kind of guy that could just hop up and, and take in at bat after nine days off and not really miss a beat. He's still mm-hmm. going to be able to to stand there and, and take uh, a good at bat. And that's the kind of player that you want to be hitting off the bench. Um, I think the, the fact that he literally has no position on the field <laughs> makes it an interesting decision in terms of, you know, you're kind of shorting yourself, um, defensively if you were to need that though uh, certainly he can play first base and and spell Paul Goldschmidt if necessary although I think there are others on the roster who could also do that so it gets a little weird there for me in terms of what his role how you sort of define his role but if it's just big dude who hits the ball really hard (laughs) then I think he's perfect for it (laughs) yeah I mean it's interesting because I when it came into spring it it just you know it felt like that that guy that was just there, you know, kind of the, you, you got to take some guys to play ball and, and he was going to not necessarily have a big, strong impact, but you know, he's had that kind of spring that pushes him into that conversation. Now, I think, you know, the really interesting thing is going to be, you know, Edmundo Sosa has no options. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Williams, they are still waiting to hear if they can get that <laughs> extra fourth option, um, which they'll probably find out about two days after they have to cut him right, um, right. because baseball is like that. Um, you know, what do the Cardinals do with guys like, and especially, you know, especially like Sosa, who has struggled this spring, possibly because he became a father at the beginning of it, and his mind not, may not be quite there. Um, obviously has a good glove. Obviously has had a little bit of major league experience, although not much. You know, is that a guy that they're willing to just kind of let go and hope nobody takes him? Um, see if they can sneak him through waivers. Or do they take you north and put somebody else, uh, you know, out because of that? Yeah, Sosa is an interesting one because he's been on the radar for a while, especially mm-hmm. considering the, you know, sort of the looming idea of what do you do with Colton Wong. We, I think, as much as I'm the Colton Wong person, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think the writing has sort of been on the wall there that it was going to take something more than they had shown themselves willing to do to, to, to not um, make a move that involved Colton Wong. And, and I've sort of felt like that 
for years. So knowing that was coming, knowing the situation with Tommy Edmond and that Paul DeYoung desperately needs <laughs> some time <laughs> off at shortstop, um, I think Sosa has been part of that equation for a while. So this spring has been an odd sort of setback in terms of how maybe you think about him from an organization standpoint, because this was a prime opportunity to take that last step and really prove that he deserves to be that guy. And he really hasn't. So I don't know that they're willing to let go of all of that potential defensively, but when, you know, you're kind of weighing John Nagowski who mashes baseballs and doesn't really have a place to play with Edmundo Sosa who can spell some guys defensively, but it's going to, at this point, offer you very little from an offensive standpoint. What does this team need more? And I think the fact that Tommy Edmond can play at shortstop. Now, we keep moving Tommy Edmond around the field as the guy who can play instead of somebody else so so much that Tommy Edmond's never going to have a day off. <laughs> so I don't know exactly how you, you manage all of that in terms of the the lineup day in and day out but he's certainly a guy that can handle it defensively I guess is the point so is Sosa as much of a need as he might have been without Tommy Edmund there do you need Tommy Edmund more as your everyday second baseman since Matt Carpenter has been useless at the plate this spring you know you can't really force him into the lineup I mean you could but not for long without dealing with the the repercussions of that so does that mean that Sosa is important because you're going to have to rely on Tommy Edmond at second base I, I don't know it's it's always difficult when it's fun when a, a Nagowski character comes into spring and wows you unexpectedly it's difficult when someone comes into spring that you're expecting to be the guy to take that last spot and they don't really show you any reason that they that they should be that guy based on the spring so what do you take from spring is is that what's going to tell the whole story or do you kind of look at the body of work and see the trajectory that he was on and understand the 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 pieces of the puzzle he was able to fill prior to what you saw this spring and and just trust that I don't know but that's that's got to be the conversation that's had I think there's certainly value in a defensive minded player in the middle of the infield because again both Tommy Edmund and Paul DeYoung are going to need some days off and we haven't seen a, a really solid backup defensively, particularly at shortstop, in a while. So there's certainly value there. I don't know if they're willing to lose that value in favor of a, a bench bat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know either. And that's going to be an interesting situation. It is a, a discussion that would be much different. And I feel like every year, every week we're going to talk about Matt Carpenter, but um, it would be much different if Matt Carpenter, you know, had not gotten that extension and had been a free agent at the end of last year. Um, Carpenter, you know, last week we were excited because he got his first hit. He still stuck at one, um, one for 25. And I think what's maybe, I don't know, kind of telling it feels like, and I think Ben and Alan and I talked about this on Unusual this week. Um, Matt Carpenter right now leads the team tied tied for the lead team lead in walks, but also tied for the team lead in strikeouts. 18 of his 32 at plate appearances come and, you know, he doesn't hit the ball. Um, now, granted, he doesn't do well when he does hit the ball, but still, if, if he's got to the point where he's going up there and, you know, your best result is a walk, 
you know, what, what do you do with that? I mean, I, I still can't see the Cardinals just testing him aside, partly because of the contract, partly because he's one of those guys that's probably going to be in the Cardinal Hall of Fame at some point in time, and they're not likely to just, you know, cut him in spring training. But, I mean, I don't know what kind of value Matt Carpenter has if, you know, uh, over half of his plate appearances are going to wind up with him, you know, either walking or striking out. Yeah, he's um, he's a shell of himself at this point, and it's this isn't uh, new. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I'm I don't even know what to say about it anymore, except that I saw someone on Twitter suggesting he mysteriously has a back injury in the next week, <laughs> and then they go from there. So. I don't know. It, it's frustrating and it's hard. And, and you're right. He is someone that has meant so much to this organization. But the last thing you want from a guy like that is to force him into a position where all he's going to do is struggle. And then that, you know, tarnishes the legacy that he does have mm-hmm. in that respect as well. So I, I don't know what the answer is. I feel like I've talked through Matt Carpenter's situation so many times from so many different angles. And I still don't have anything other than, you know, just feeling disappointed for him in the the speed with which he deteriorated and, and has sort of become, like I said, this shell of who he used to be. Yeah, but I have to ask you about Matt Carpenter so I can put it in the description so people will actually watch it because that's what Matt Carpenter is, right? I mean, if nothing else, he's a he's a ratings boost of, yeah, of people yeah. that are discussing him because it is rough. I mean, it is a, it's a it's a difficult situation and the Cardinals are in a bad situation as well because if this was anybody else, I mean, if this was you know, Austin Dean with the contract that guaranteed him a chance to be in St. Louis, <coughs> excuse me, they would let him go without any thinking about it, you know, uh, or anybody of that nature. But a guy like my carpenter is just, he's going to be there. And I think the, the kicker is how much time do they give him at the beginning of the year to try to get on track? Um, but you know that the first time the Cardinals lose a game, when Matt Carpenter goes 0 for 4 with two strikeouts, <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be the focus point of the game, and it is hard. I mean, you're right. I think Carpenter's legacy, no faults of his own, but has probably already been tarnished to that degree because 2018 feels like a long time ago. I think in the long term, those years will fade compared to when you just look at the baseball card stats. But you're right. In the immediate future – it's hard to imagine feeling the same way about Carpenter as, as we did in, you know, 2013 through mm-hmm. 2017 or, or whatever it was. And that's just the unfortunate reality that he's living with right now and that, that Cardinals fans have to deal with. And you're right. People are going to blame him no matter what. And that's, that's what is so hard for me to even talk about it at this point. Cause there's nothing that any of us can do to change the situation but there's not really an easy answer as far as the organization is concerned as well. Yeah. I mean, all you can hope for right now is that, it, you know, when the games start mattering, if some sort of switch gets flipped and he can be serviceable. I mean, yeah. you know, if he can hit 240 or 250 right now with a little bit of extra base power, I think, I think after the spring, especially <laughs> you take that in a heartbeat. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's not out of the realm of possibility. So um, we'll just have to see how they, how they manage it. All right. So next week at this time, we will be, you know, looking at opening day. Um, and so that's going to be a lot of fun. It's really, you know, time has had no meaning, especially over the last <laughs> year or so, but 
in some ways it does. It's a little bit hard to think that the spring training is already to that point where, you know, what another eight games or so. And uh, then they go to, then they go to Cincinnati. Yeah. It's uh, in one sense, it feels like it's about time. And at the same time, it feels like, didn't we just start this? Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. All right. So Taryn, I'll be with you next week to talk about that last week of spring training and, and what's coming up for the, for that first series with the Reds. So until then, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.